Good day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. Up first today, after a dramatic week of political power moves and another armed right-wing demonstration at the state capitol, many Michigan residents seem to be swayed by an even more powerful force this weekend. Really, really nice weather. Folks, folks were swarming outside in certain areas, a lot of them not wearing masks, not social distancing. As we see official statewide numbers trending downward in total cases and deaths and hospitalizations, I think it's reasonable to wonder whether we are risking another coronavirus wave as people simply try to go outside and enjoy some warmth and sunshine. There's a really interesting contrast between the argument that's happening in the state capitol and the decisions that people seem to be making about their lives right now. It does seem as though a lot of people have decided this is all over and it's time to go back to life as we kind of knew it before and to start doing some of the things that we were doing before. Of course, that is not what Governor Gretchen Whitmer is saying. That is not what uh, I think even Republican leaders in the legislature are, are necessarily saying. So here to help us sort through all of that is Chad Livengood. He is a senior editor at Crane's Detroit Business, has been following the political struggle over the restrictions very closely in Lansing. Chad, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. So let's start with where we are right now in terms of the numbers statewide and locally. The last time I spoke with uh, Governor Whitmer, which was last week, she she expressed optimism about the direction that the numbers were headed in. That, of course, is responsible for the decisions she is making about easing restrictions, about giving the green light to going back to, to certain kinds of commerce and uh, interaction. But, but give us a sense of where we actually are with the numbers as of today. Well, we've been, at Cranes, we've been tracking the seven-day rolling average of numbers to t- kind of see what, what it looks like when you think about it uh, over, over time compared to the previous days. Because we have a lot of, inf- uh, of, of sway and changes in these numbers, sometimes day-to-day weekends, there's always a lull. So yesterday there was 547 new cases, but the rolling seven-day average is 854. Now compare that to um, April 7th, the peak uh, where Detroit hospitals were totally under siege and, and, and at capacity. We were at 1,632 uh, average cases uh, over a seven-day period there. So just that gives you a little bit of a sense of 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 how we have dramatically dropped uh, in just in just uh, less than a month's time now, basically, and and so the, obviously the, the numbers are are trending down. But the problem also is there's still these spikes in in outstate areas, and that's what's really got uh, public health officials really uh, troubled and concerned. I mean, just in the middle of last week, uh, for, compared to the, pre- the previous seven days. The number of cases in Kent County around Grand Rapids doubled, mm. um, and in Ionia County to the to the just to the uh, east of, of, of Kent County, it, it was uh, it was uh, two times uh, a number of, of cases. Now these are smaller numbers, but 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 Kent County and Grand Rapids is not. We're talking about uh, a, a sizable increase of, of number of cases. So that's that's got people bracing and and th- and trying to think about this and that but that mixes in with this 
this political battle that's that's been waging in in in, in the legislature that folks in outstate areas think that they need to be uh, allowed to go back about their business particularly uh, doing business and and going back to work i mean and and, and you see that uh, sentiment uh, you know playing out and and it's really it's really the the you know the the undercurrent of of this fight which may include uh, the uh, extraordinary action of the legislature potentially suing the governor this week. Mm-hmm. They have not made a, a, a final decision to do that, um, but they have, um, they have the, uh, from last Thursday's um, action, they, they authorized themselves to do so. Mm. So, so I, I do want to talk about both the political dimension of this and the sort of practical implications of what people are deciding to do on their own. And I, I, I think they're two different conversations, even though there is some some real overlap. But I want to start with the political conversation that's happening in Lansing. And one of the things that has been really unclear to me in the last week, especially, is what the actual difference is between what Governor Whitmer is doing, the, the easing of restrictions, the return of some commerce and interaction, and what Republican legislators want to have happen. In other words, what 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 is the gap between these two positions? I mean, there has been a lot of talk about who has the right to decide and whether the governor has to consult the legislature or ask the legislature to do these things. But are they really talking about doing things in substantively different ways? Not really uh, in the grand scheme of things. I mean, th- this legislature started, uh, particularly the legislative leaders, started pushing weeks ago for you need you need some type of plan. You need some type of regional approach. And so the governor came out with a regional approach last Monday, and she uh, using this uh, group this group of business and healthcare and university leaders that have been consulting her, led by uh, Jerry Anderson, the DTE chairman, and Nancy Schlitzing, the former Henry Ford health system CEO. And that brought some legitimacy, a big group of corporate leaders uh, kind of giving the governor cover of sorts. And, and, and that, but, but that plan was a little murky in that it doesn't have a specific, you know, in, in five weeks, we're going to be doing this and seven weeks, we're going to be doing this. And that's what, that's, that's some of the things that the legislature are pushing for. Uh, but they are generally in line with the idea that there needs to be um, still some restrictions. I mean, the Senate Republican plan uh, that they put out uh, was just basically Mike Shirky's uh, hand-drawn plan. Um, it, it, env- it, it envisioned five phases of a phase, and that would be months. I mean, my reading of it was that there would be no people at Michigan Stadium this uh, this fall. Uh, there just wouldn't, based on the fact that that they call for a vaccine to be available before you can have events over 250 people, mm-hmm. and so. Um, it, it, it kind of seems to pretend the idea of of of, of a fanless uh, Ford Field and uh, and Comerica Park uh, for for 2020, and, right. and so and this is the Republican. They're, they're not that far off when yeah. it comes to that big scheme idea of, of social distancing strategies and keeping people kind of apart for a while. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the Republican plan you're talking about that would yeah. envision yeah. A, a prolonged era of social distancing and, and, and restrictions. And so this really is then about who has their hands 
on the wheel and not which direction the car is going. In other words, Governor Whitmer is saying the, the law and the Constitution give me the right to make these decisions on my own. And the legislature is saying, no, we have a role to play as well. Yeah, and, and the legislature also, um, lawmakers want to test this this uh, conflict of law that is that is inherent in that there are two different um, state of emergency laws. One is the 1976 statute that that required the legislature to renew um, the state of emergency back on April 7th. That gave her a 23-day extension. And then the the second one is this 1945 law that, for whatever reason, the legislature kept in 1976. They kept it in place. They did not repeal this law. They kind of they created a new uh, um, check and balance with the 1976 law requiring legislative oversight. But they but they left this like trap door for the governor uh, to uh, uh, to use if if there was you know, for whatever reason uh, it's very unclear. Um, nobody nobody nobody's really around anymore who can remember why that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but they left this provision in hand, and, and so the governor just turned around and said after, after they said. We're not going to give you a renewal on the 1976 law. The governor just turned around and, and extended the state of emergency by 28 days under the 1945 law. And, and so there's lawmakers that want to challenge that on, on a principle that, 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 they, that they think that it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense to have um, two different laws on the books. And and they are now saying that they may very well sue and, and try to get that, that kind of clarity. We should also note that in the 1976 law, there's a pretty important clause that says nothing in that 76 law should be interpreted to limit or modify the powers that were given to the governor in 1945, which seems on its face to just undermine the entire purpose of going to revisit the 45 uh, powers in the 1976 law. But actually, I mean, having been someone who takes a look at uh, legislation in Michigan for a long time, I, I got to say that's not unusual. I mean, there are lots of uh, there are lots of statutes on the books here that don't make internal sense. In other words, they say one thing yep. in one clause and then later they seem to, to, to absolutely contradict themselves. Yeah, and that, and that that's uh, that's common, particularly uh, laws passed since the uh, since the last constitutional convention. Um, and so there's there, and then there's also just a problem that kind of builds up over time, where um, legislatures just kind of ignore previous laws and just write a new code. And and now now we we get this uh, we get these kind of um, strange uh, conflicts. But uh, this conflict is. It has a much bigger magnitude because you know, you got 1.2 million people out of work right now, yes. and uh, you got um, 43,000 people who have could, who have tested positive for this uh, virus, and 4,000 people have died, and so it takes on a whole much larger uh, scale uh, in the issue, uh, particularly as we're still you know sitting here sheltered in place and and watching. Uh, incomes and businesses failing among us. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I also want to talk about the practical end of all of this. While this epic political battle is taking place in Lansing and may end up in the courts, people are starting to make their own decisions about what it's time to do and what it's not time to do. And you got a lot of reaction this weekend to a tweet you posted 
that showed two men driving golf carts. Now, uh, the governor's order says you can go back to golfing, but you cannot be out renting golf carts. Uh, so your tweet gets at something I think a lot of us were noticing over the weekend, which is that lots of people are out and about and doing what they think they ought to do and maybe not thinking very much about what the governor says is okay or not. Yeah, I mean, there's just a general civil disobedience going on right now in the populace um, that um, you know, was kind of predictable eventually uh, that that would happen. Um, I, I saw these two uh, gentlemen on golf carts uh, near a private club uh, in northern Washtenaw County as I was uh, taking some, some, some goods and picking up some goods from my parents' house in Chelsea. Um, and I found it interesting at the same time uh, – it's a private golf course, and people who live around there, they, they use their carts, and driving their carts around is kind of a way of life um, around a lot of private golf courses. Um, it's not a way of life that everybody else in the world understands. Um, but, yeah, it can be seen as just flouting it. I mean, at the same time, I drove by Chandler Park in Detroit um, uh, Saturday, late Saturday afternoon, and that place was jam-packed uh, with, with people walking. Everyone was walking uh, at the course, uh, but like every hole, you could tell was, was there was a backup uh, for people to to uh, to uh, to tee off. And so, um, yeah, there are people just basically taking things in their own hands now, and and uh, and I and it's hard to understand how you can continue to try to manage this from Lansing uh, the way that they they have without just expecting uh, that. The humans who are so used to mobility in a state that invented mobility um, are going to just get out and do what they please. And of course, the risk is that the easing of social distancing, the the sort of leaning back into intense interaction, risks another another wave, another wave of infections and and perhaps of of deaths. Uh, have you gotten a sense from the governor or other folks in her administration that they are concerned about people's reaction to what she said? I mean, she was very specific in the way that she prescribed what the 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 easing of restrictions would look like. But I think what a lot of people heard when she was talking was, well, we're we're over this. This is in the past. And I'm just going to go back to doing what I was was doing. Are, are they worried that that will have dire consequences? Yeah, I mean they're absolutely worried. They're worried about the about the spread of of the virus up north, where there is not anywhere near the amount of of of, uh, of the hospital capacity. I mean, there's 18 counties across the northern uh, lower peninsula, and they have 101 ventilators in 11 hospitals. Uh, they don't have the capacity. Last week, or, or it seems like at least last week, I'm kind of losing track now. Um, there were four hospitals in rural counties uh, like Aranac County and Branch County um, and uh, and um, Lapeer County that their their ICUs were at capacity, and that's that's before we get to summer travel season. I talked to folks at Munson Healthcare, uh, the healthcare system around Petoskey. Uh, and Traverse City and, and, and Manistee and other northern Michigan cities, and they were kind of relieved that the uh, the, the, the storied National Cherry Festival in Traverse City was canceled because that festival brings 500,000 people over two weeks in the first week in, uh, first two weeks in July, 
And um, that in any normal year, their hospital in Traverse City is at capacity because of the number of people there. If you mix in the stew of coronavirus, then you've got uh, what seems like a recipe for disaster. And so the governor is, is, is considering all of this and trying to convince, uh, you know, legislators, uh, including the Speaker of the House, who's from one of those counties I talked about, Emmett County, um, to really think about um, the implications of just opening, open, you know, opening up the, the dam and just and letting people run free again, and 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 what will happen uh, to these uh, healthcare systems if if there is a if there is a second wave. Yeah, I, I also wonder whether the governor and her administration are thinking about the possibility that they may have to tighten restrictions again. In other words, if we do see people. Uh, stop social distancing if we do start to see this kind of regular return to the kinds of interactions that made it really easy for this virus to spread in in the first place might she have to come back on may 15th or even before and say we've got to go back to a a, a tighter set of of regulations and i i wonder whether they think that's even possible in other words once people have decided that this is over, how do you convince them again that uh, that we've got to that we've got to do extraordinary things to protect public health? Yeah, that's that's a um, almost untenable uh, position. Now, the governor did say um, ten days ago when she lifted the restrictions on landscapers uh, that that this was going to be, and also motor boating, uh, that this was going to be kind of a trial uh, run and and that she warned at the time that there could be a, a reinstituting of, of, of certain restrictions if there is a spike. They're going to basically this is this is a science. I mean, this is trying to see what happens, basically. Um, and and there's there's no playbook here. Uh, there's no other than the experiences that happened in the 1918 uh, uh, pandemic. And there's no real um you know, a guide to knowing what to do other than trying to ease in and see what happens, essentially. And now we can, now, now we have taken this next step on Thursday and construction companies uh, and now other types of outdoor professions mm-hmm. are going to be uh, allowed to go back to work. And so and then the governor has signaled that manufacturing will likely be the next step. And that's going to be the real big challenge. I mean, that, the, the assembling vehicles and parts, which is a the, you know backbone of our economy, particularly mm-hmm. in Southeast Michigan, um, getting those operations back to, into some um, normal state is 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 obviously an economic imperative. But at the same time, doing it in a way that 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 prevents any kind of a second wave is really the big balancing act that Michigan faces right now. Okay, Chad Livengood, senior editor at Cranes Detroit Business. Uh, always great to have you here and sharing your perspective on these things as we continue through this uh, pandemic. Thanks very much for being here with us. Thanks for having me. Up next, today is the 50th anniversary of the Kent State shooting, which left four dead and helped turn public opinion against the Vietnam War and President Richard Nixon. We're going to talk about what it means today and what we still have yet to learn. Stay with us on Detroit Today. 